Welcome back again to another immersive episode of Below Average Gaming. I'm here with the has me drawn in Michael. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How about yourself? You know, I'm doing I'm doing all right. You know, I'm surviving. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it surviving. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so what have you been up to this two week? What do you what's been occupying your time? Oh, this week? Not not a time. Yeah. <clears throat> Work mostly. But you know, it's another week. Still More wasting work. time playing a new Stardew Valley save. Haven't been able to shake that that one yet. You just can't stop farming, eh? <laughs> well, I've managed to thankfully fix my computer problems, which it turns out like partially Destiny's fault, partially not. Uh, I'm going to shout out Low Guppy on Twitter, also known as Jeff Good. He uh, thankfully gave me some good advice, told me some stuff to fix bugged me on Twitter when I was complaining about it, and it seems to be working now just fine, but I did have to uninstall and reinstall about half the drivers on my computer, but it works now, so that's fine. So today we wanted to talk about getting immersed. The word of the day is immersion. Like, like I immerse myself into a cycle of self-deprecation that only a weekend of severe alcohol abuse can pull me out of. In related news... This week is all to so brought to you by Jägermeister Cold Brew, covering up your emotional vulnerability since 2020. So on that note, now that I'm fully immersed into my lifestyle, why, why don't you why don't you kick us off? What do you think? What do you, what does immersion mean to you, Michael? Yeah, so immersion is something in games that I think isn't like it's hard to kind of quantify because I think it's a little bit different for everyone. But for me, I'm someone who I like gaming with something in the background a lot. So I'll play something like Stardew Valley or Minecraft or anything like that. And I'll have a TV show or something in the background. And when I think of games that like are really immersive and really like draw me in and get me involved in them, they're the games that I don't want something on in the background. If that makes yeah. sense. Which... Which, yeah, I'm guilty of that, too. I often have two pairs of headphones on. I have my big over-the-ear headphones, and then I have my uh, my power beats underneath of them listening to something else while I'm playing a game. That's pretty common. So for something to really be that immersive and really pull me in to get me to stop doing that says a lot about a game. And a lot of games, too, just like, I don't know, a lot of stories I don't find that interesting in a lot of games or the environment's not that interesting to me anymore. So, like... Like, obviously for us, I'm sure God of War was a big one. Uh, Hollow Knight's another big one if you want to get immersed into something. But obviously, we've talked about these games plenty of times on here. Doesn't mean we can't talk about them more. <laughs> but we understand, you guys probably get it. Yes, they like they like Hollow Knight and God of War. I think they think they like those games. But, so, something a little different here. So the first game I think I really got super immersed into that, like, I did not do anything else other than just play that game for like a long time was uh, the first Dead Space game. Oh, yeah. Dead Space. Bring it back. Stop squabbling over licenses. Stop killing our franchise. Stop making it multiplayer. The game is about loneliness and being in just a really fantastical environment. Like it's that game's amazing. And what really caught me, I think, the first time when I went to go play that game is they give you like a good look from outside of the ship where you're landing on in space and there's something going on. And it's just a big mining operation, right? So when you're going in there, you kind of get that that good feeling of the loneliness of space. It doesn't just start you in the space station it actually lets you approach it, which I think is really good. It sets the atmosphere up and it made me really interested. I think one of the big things that game does really well is the weapons in it are part of the immersion into the game for me because by making the game about you being powerless and these creatures just being stronger than you and that all you have to defend yourself is just this rudimentary mining equipment that are your weapons in the game made the game really suck me in in another level. The fact that the ship is like pretty torn apart too and you can like hear things in the vents around you. So it makes the audio important. Which a lot of games have really unimportant audio to where... Whether it be, you know, the music, the guns, the characters talking about things that I don't give two shits about. Like, 
It's just like, if you don't give me a reason to listen to your game, then why would I listen to it? I could just listen to something else. You know, we all, we all have ADD now. I just want to get as much information as possible and have a thousand things going. But Dead Space definitely, because of the fact that the sound was so important, really added a lot to that game for me. The way you have to, like, strategically dismember things in order to get them to stop chasing you by using these rudimentary equipment was really cool. It just felt like a thing that if you were stuck on a ship, it felt like, yeah, if you're on a ship, a bunch of aliens, this situation makes sense. So the logic of it helped immerse me too. Yeah, and th that's a big thing where I think that the primary, like the primary thing to immersion in a game is going to be your story. Like, it has to be some form of compelling what's going on. And I think there's, it's kind of interesting because there's two ways to do it. The first one is something more like Hollow Knight, where a lot of the story is in the background. Where you learn a lot of things through little lore tablets and little interactions that don't necessarily mean a lot. But because all of those little things fit together, it makes you want to pay more attention. Mm -hmm. As well as you then have something like Dead Space or God of War, for example, where a lot of the story is more forefront a lot more like in the forefront in kind of the picture kind of what you're going around and doing and so there are kind of two different atmospheres to that but then past that like a game can have a good story and be not immersive at all if it fails on the rest of its things so the first game that if we're going by like when i first experienced this with a game it would probably be something like fable fable one and this was when i was quite a bit younger but that game uh, the world building and the uh, soundtrack, like the music score is very good for that game. And just having this world that feels like it exists, like it feels like it's kind of all around you and things change a little bit and you actually get to interact and have impact on what goes on in the world makes that game just like draw people in and you want to be involved and you want to make sure you don't miss things because if you miss something, that could lock you out of a decision that you could have made later that will affect the way that the people around you interact. Yeah. There's a lot of games I think that, that have done a good job with this historically. I think now it's a little bit more lost. Uh, Ocarina of Time, I think, is another game that really had a very good immersive world. And something that I missed a bit in Breath of the Wild is the, the music of Ocarina of Time. The fact you can interact with it was also really cool. That, like, the Ocarina let you change the music. It also was like a puzzle solving tool in the game. So it really added a lot to it. The fact that all the environments look different too, for me, if, if all the environments in the world look samey, it's hard for me to get immersed in it because the world doesn't feel realistic, especially like in a big open game like that. Of course. If you're playing some kind of open world game and everything looks the same, it's not as fun. Where like an Ocarina of Time, I got really immersed and drawn into that game because you look to the mountain and it looks completely different. And then there's the forest area, which I remember like when I was really young, like playing that game when it was pretty new, kind of creeped me out a little bit, especially the boss in Ocarina of Time that had like the ghost drums. Like That thing was just spooky to me. And I like that about that game. And I think in a world, in order to be immersive, you have to have something to draw people in. And if you keep looking at the same bland, pale brown toned environment the entire time it loses a lot of the immersion with for me yeah and i think i think that in the nature of like the forest kind of creeping you out i think the one area where games haven't lost track of this is like horror and suspense games and that's yeah, because a big part of it of those games has to come from this uh something like until dawn is a great example where like until dawn everything about that game drew you in and got you to get involved with the game and stuff like that. And it was a very hard game to play disconnected from. Whereas yeah. a lot of the times the games that aren't meant to be like that, like the games that are supposed to meant to be like more like lighthearted. Uh, I want to use the word fluffy. They kind of lose this immersion because it doesn't play a core factor to the game because it's not like, a horror game, you have to be immersed in it for, like, to be creeped out and to actually, like, get hit by jump scares and stuff like that. Whereas something like a more lighthearted game, you don't have to be super involved in it to get the experience out of it. Even though being involved in it makes the experience better, a lot of games kind of put that on the back seat and it doesn't wind up happening. 
Yeah. And when it comes to immersion, it was that where you get drawn into the game. A funny little game that's I think it's still fairly recently new, isn't it? Phasmophobia. 100% recommend playing that game not in Discord and using the mechanics of the game because the whole idea of Phasmophobia, for anyone who doesn't know, is that you're basically you're basically ghost hunter people, but very, very much like how people actually do it in real life where they go out and they're looking for supernatural things. So like they have like, you know, e-meters or, you know, they're trying to detect cold spots or they have like a Ouija board. So it's very much based on people that like go out and do this kind of thing. But there's a walkie talkie mechanic in the game that sold me on that game. I loved it because like, you have to have walkie talkies on you to talk to each other. So it's distorted like you're talking in a walkie talkie and it draws you right in. That game doesn't look the prettiest. It looks like an indie game. It is an indie game. But that game creeped me the hell out. Like when you're playing that and I heard something, I got legitimately scared for like the first time in years in a game and was like, I'm out. I'm leaving this house. Fuck this. Yeah, like that that game was that game was incredible. And I think the way that like different ghosts act in that game, and when we just tried for fun to try and piss off a ghost, like even though that was our goal, like was to stand in this house and piss off this ghost, it was horrifying. It was done so well. Yeah, and and that proves too that like games don't always have to look like next gen super mega graphics to be good. Like that game looks like it was you know something you ordered from the back of a cereal box, and you look at it graphically. But gameplay wise, it's really fun. Game's incredible. It gets you right into it. And the fact that you have to carry the objects in order to like fight off a certain kind of ghost. Like if you want a crucifix, you got to have to carry it on you and buy it and pick it out of your van. It's just all these little touches like that really immerse you into that game a lot. I think that game needs more recognition than it has. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it was a ton of fun. And I think one thing that game does really well is the gameplay contributes to the atmosphere. The gameplay helps build the experience for it because the gameplay feels in um, in place with everything else. Uh, something I think that also does that is uh, Papers, Please. Papers, Please is something that the gameplay in, like from an outsider's point of view, if you haven't played the game, the gameplay looks like it's bad. Like it's actively unenjoyable because you're literally a border guard sifting through documentation and trying to notice discrepancies. But with the whole atmosphere of the game and the fact that you have this incredible soundtrack and this ongoing storyline that kind of like wax and wanes as to how important it is, this like basic task that you're tasked with doing that slowly changes and gets more complicated just brings you into that game in a different way because it's just different than everything else and it fits so well with everything else they did. Yeah. Games that get you involved in a deeper way like that are really important. One, I really think, too, like The Witness did an incredible job of doing this. And that game's final, the final scene of the game, spoilers for The Witness, you haven't played it. It's a kind of like a puzzle game where it's mainly just about drawing lines in different puzzles. If you haven't played it, you definitely should. It's incredible. Yes, definitely is. But at... At the end of that game, and like this is like very minor spoilers, so it's not going to screw the game up. You just want to go play a puzzle game. But when you walk back out and you start the game over again, the game has basically taught you to draw lines in different places you see. And the whole idea is that you get immersed and you your brain starts thinking this way about connecting lines and you'll see it in your real life. But when you walk out the door, the first gate you come to in that game, you figure out is a puzzle. And it wasn't when you first walked through because you didn't notice it. But the game immerses you in the gameplay of it and the aesthetic of it so much that you see it instantly, draw the line, and oh, look, there's the secret door that was there the entire time. And it's like, that is brilliant. That game is incredible. That was that experience of just because it doesn't change anything. It's technically there, like when you open the game up. But when you finish the game and then walk out again for the first time, it's immediately there. Like, you can't miss it, but the first time doesn't even cross your mind at all. Like, you yeah. never would think of it the first time, but when you come back at the end, instantly it's there. Um, yeah, no, and that's another game that kind of in the Veil of Hollow Knight has this really interesting story that no one really has an, an answer to. 
Yeah. But is all in the background. Like, the primary mechanic of that game is you walk around and solve puzzles. The story isn't forefront, but there is a very, like, there's a story and a lot of, like, background stuff that goes into having you try to piece together what you're doing and why you're there and what all these things are. Yeah, and I know something that a lot of the Soul series does is there's a lot of background stuff. The the only issue I've ever had with the Soul stuff is it's too much in the background to me. But that's obviously a game preference thing. Like Bloodborne is a game that I like the gameplay of Bloodborne. The first big boss in that game, I beat my first try because I had practiced so much in the other areas before it. But the game's story is so hidden and the world is so bland looking. Even though, like, it's supposed to because it's like, you know, like this, like, dark gothic horror thing. But I feel like a little bit more texture and flavor to that world could have gotten a lot more to get me immersed. But, like, I got bored. Because it's just, it's a very bland. And that's the only problem I've ever had with a lot of Souls games. Is they have very beautiful environments that all blend into each other in such a way that I don't feel like I've walked somewhere new. Which... It's a big difference where if you go into like an RPG game, like even something like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn has at least a bit of a change to where you start off in a grassy field in that game when you're amongst like the Nora people. And then when you leave, there's a big desert and you kind of like go into the desert. Horizon has very distinct environments. Yeah, it has distinct environments, which is a very big difference to when games don't like Skyrim. The most least immersive game I've ever played in my life. Because, like, this has got this really lame story that, like, it just didn't really care about all this Dragonborn stuff. Because it made you feel like you were, like, supposed to be Superman, basically, when you're playing it. I love Superman, but even Superman had more vulnerabilities than you do in Skyrim because you can just do everything. And, like, all the Dragonborn powers were, like, broken, basically. And the entire world looks, looks like some grass and rocks. There's like the one snowy mountain that has a linear path to get up of it. And then it's just like grass and rocks. There's a tiny bit of snow here, but the cliffs are so high that you can't actually like walk around in there really. So it's just like. And the linear like a, path to get up takes fucking forever. It, it really does. It's just like it, it really ruins that game for me where even like Oblivion had a little bit more of like a, a stretched out spaces. But still, even that game wasn't the most immersive thing to me because there's nothing to draw you into that world. You're just kind of part of it. Or something like The Witcher with the different environments that you can walk around in that game and the different areas that monsters live in. You see like a battlefield in that game with just like thousands of corpses. And when you walk through it, you can kind of get the history of that place by looking at it. But they kind of like dynamically get you into that world more. Yeah, and I think I think that Skyrim uh, specifically has a couple of issues with it. Uh, one of them being the world does look super samey. I agree with that. I don't think that the game itself, like combat-wise, is that interesting. But that is a preference thing. Some people disagree with me. But the big thing for me with Skyrim, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, is with you feel like a main character... And this is something really interesting that works in some situations and doesn't work in others. Whereas if you look at going into similar games, something like uh, Witcher or even Fable or something like that, in a lot of cases, it can feel like you are part of a world. Great example is WoW. WoW Classic, it feels like you are a small part of a big world. And in Retail WoW, and this is kind of similar to Skyrim, it feels like you're the main character. Like, you are the be-all and end-all. You are the most powerful being to ever exist. And I don't find that interesting in a game. I don't. Th it's not something that, like, draws me in and makes me want to play it more. And even something like God of War, where there's an argument to be made that Kratos is the most powerful being, it doesn't feel that way. It constantly feels like everything's an uphill battle. Like everything has the chance to kill you. Like everything is actually a challenge. Whereas Skyrim, it just feels like it's a walk in the park and you are the be all and end all. And you are like 
the second coming and you can do whatever you want. And that doesn't make me interested in a world, in a game. Yeah. In my opinion, how I like those kind of games where you're the most powerful thing is when it's cartoonishly obvious. Like, if you can have a game where you just obliterate everything for funsies because, like, you are that OP, it's fine. But a game that probably likes to pretend like you're not, but you definitely are, yeah, it just it doesn't draw me in as much. I like games to where you walk somewhere and you come upon an enemy and you're like, oh, that thing's going to rip me apart if I go anywhere near it. I'm going to walk away, which I really liked about Horizon, that even though Aloy is the main character, the first big... um. I think it's Thunderjaws, right? The big T-Rex looking thing. The first one you come across is a legitimately insanely hard challenge if you try to fight it right then and there. And I mean, like, come on, you can't just not try and fight it right then and there. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to go at it, you know? <laughs> well, and the thing too is, this is something I really, this is a big thing for me. I don't think we've talked about this before. I hate games where if I showed you two places you should be able to tell me like where they are if we've both played the game. We're like, we've been playing Destiny and like I can tell the two, like the planets apart. It's really obvious to me. You could be anywhere in those planets and know where you're at. Just same thing with, like I mentioned earlier, the Ocarina of Time. I really like Ocarina of Time because you can tell where you are. If I can't tell where you are in a game based on like what it looks like, then the, it's not very immersive because there's no differences. I, I I agree. And I think that's one of the things to like having a dynamic world and having something that's interesting. That's actually one of the things that frustrated me about Breath of the Wild because there were a ton of samey locations, like locations that just looked really similar. And then they threw in this memories mechanic where you had to track down locations based on photos and then stand at the place where the photo was taken. Except a couple of them are like photos of a wall in a forest and it's like oh okay there's only 80 forests on this map that's massive and i think that's that's something that's just like it does happen and sometimes like you do need that world to feel different like speaking of destiny europa feels different to the other planets because of like its dynamic weather and it being like super snowy and like all the underground like testing facilities and stuff like that leads to a very cool unique feel from the rest of the game yeah, and even things too like Dragon Age is another series I really like that I think it's just strictly better than Skyrim when it comes to an RPG that's open world because like all the areas feel different and Dragon Age, the original one up through Inquisition where we're at now, I've played all of them all the way through and I have one continuous save file. My game looks different than other people's because of the choices I made. Like I purposely went through and I was like, hey, if I play like this super uptight piece of shit paladin character in this game and like just role play the game, what if I just try to wipe out anyone that isn't like part of the holy sanctum? So it's like the mages are like gone in that game because you can choose to wipe out the mage guild rather than try to save them from the blight that's at the mage tower. That area is gone. It doesn't exist in my game anymore, which I think is amazing. Letting people change their environment in a game does help with immersion a lot, too. And I feel like that's something that's also still just lost in RPGs. Like, most RPGs now are not RPGs. They're, like, adventure games that you're just on rails. And there isn't any dynamic effect to anything, which drives me nuts. I like having a very nice dynamic world with a lot of things going on that you can actually affect. Like, in, like once again, Dragon Age, Blood Magic. Everyone talks to you differently if you use blood magic. There are characters that will leave your party if you're using it. Which helps with immersion because it's like what you're doing affects the world around you. And like I never listened to anything or watched anything else when I was playing Dragon Age. I played that game through start to finish with three different characters. The game's just incredible. Yeah. And I, I think I think the choices thing is the reason that the Quantic Dream games are like this. Like, the Quantic Dream games are also very, very immersive. Like, Heavy Rain, I picked up, sat there for 10 hours, and played it in one sitting. Detroit, I 
literally spent all of my spare time for like three days to play through the first time because I just wanted to know what happens. Yeah, and even the gameplay in that game requires you to look at your environment and figure out stuff because Detroit has very much a detective mechanic to it. And literally, people's facial expressions can help you in situations because you need to like read their signals and their body language and their and how they're talking to figure out what you should say next based on what you want to get. And Quantic Dream does that better than most anybody does. And I'm I'm excited for more Quantic Dream games. I hope we get another one in not too long. But yeah, and I mean the thing you can do to piss me off the most in a game that's trying to be immersive is give me a choice that doesn't do anything. Oh, I I I yeah. Nope, I hate that. <laughs> like, um, back to Fable. Fable 2 is like, I, I, it's not as good as Fable 1, but at the end of the game, it has a choice. You have to choose uh, wealth, family, or... Uh, I forgot the third option, but basically, either you can become wealthy, you can bring back your family, or you can bring back everyone who died during the construction of this evil building. And... You make that choice, and then it fundamentally affects the rest of the game if you want to do any of the post-game stuff. Which is just so cool. And there are other games that would give you that choice after beating the final boss, and then roll credits and reset you back before beating it. Yeah. And when it comes to choices like that, and I want to see if you roll with me on this, I think Dishonored does the best job of immersing somebody in a game ever. And it's not close. Oh, because ever, ever. <laughs> because every dialogue option, every mission you go on changes the rest of the game permanently. You can't undo anything you did. If you're being stealthy, that game just rewards you in a weird way for being stealthy. If you're being violent, the game then gives you more violence and it, the gameplay changes based around how you're playing it. And the things of like, when you go visit um, the girl you're protecting and the drawing she makes in that game where she's just like, you know, if you're being violent, you walk in there and she draws a city on fire with you on top of it. And it's just like my insides. <laughs> it's just that, that game, that game dynamically changes Gameplay and story-wise, as you play it, every single last decision you make matters. Which, I don't, there's not a lot of games where that does matter. To be honest, like, Detroit and Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain, I think, does a better job than Detroit does with your decisions mattering. But they both do a very good job. Like, they're, they're still better than everyone else. But Detroit, you can definitely fudge some of the sections a bit. And to be honest, in that game, light spoilers for Detroit... The fact that Connor can't die until the end of the game because he keeps getting replaced, I thought was hilarious. Oh, it's amazing. Like, like, I got shot in the face, and then he says, like, oh, I'm back. And it's just like, I'm an android. You think I was dead? Don't you know how this works? And I thought that was hilarious. Well, but, like, and they also, even, like, <laughs> they even have the achievement to make fun of it. They have the achievement where you have to play a solid playthrough without, like, backing up and get him killed at every single opportunity he has to die. Yeah, which which is hilarious. <laughs> no, just decisions mattering in games is something I find that's a little lost, except on indie titles now. Like a lot of the stuff we're talking about, like a lot of these games are older now, and it's hard to find a good game that, that actually has decisions decisions that matter now. As I lose my ability to speak from this cold brew. Yeah, I do think that modern games have kind of fallen away from that a little bit, and. Like, just, like, looking at games that came out this year, like, came out here in 2020, there's none of these that I look at as being super immersive. Like, I guess I haven't played Wasteland yet. That one's supposed to be good at it. But a lot of them are just, like, they aren't bad games. It's just they're different. It is a different thing. Like, it's, it's a very different type of game that does this. And one, one thing that... I think is really interesting is some of my favorite games I don't think are immersive at all. Hmm. Like, I don't like, I love the shit out of Minecraft. You know this? Like, I, I yeah. played way too much of that game. I don't think that game is immersive. 
I think that game is a ton of fun. I think that game is a great time sink. But it's not something that I want to dedicate all of my attention to. It's not immersive. It doesn't make me want to, like, it doesn't bring me into this world. And a lot, there's a lot of games like that. Something like Apex Legends or Warzone or Fortnite. All of these, like, shooters, like, uh, Battle Royales in general just aren't immersive. But they're a different type of game. Um, one game that I, I want to talk about, because I feel like we still disagree on this one, Last of Us. The first Last mm. of Us, I think, is awful from an immersion perspective. Which, again, doesn't make it a bad game necessarily, but the fact that it's trying to be a story-driven game makes it really bad. In retrospect, on that game, on particularly the first one, I think the immersion doesn't stand up now to what I expect in a game. I think at the time, I was fine with it, but obviously, like... It could be better. Now that I've been I've been playing Last of Us Part 2 now. And I'm I'm almost done. I think that game does a better job immersion-wise. But instantly, the problem with that game is something that you've mentioned too about Last of Us I never thought about. It's just the design of the enemies in that game and the fact that they're supposed to respond to sound really screws that game up. It's the same thing with the movie, The Quiet Place. We're like, I had to shut my brain off for that movie when I watched it. And I watched it in like a 21 and up theater. So it was fine. Like, I just kind of like, you know, it's just me, the significant other just hanging out, watching this movie in like an adults only theater, which is great. The movie's good. I went in to go watch a movie that I knew that I could not pick it apart. I think if you go into Last of Us and you don't try to pick it apart. That game is better. The second game I found more immersive when I wasn't playing as Ellie. Oh, really? Last of Us Part 2, Abby is the best character that sh series has had. Abby is incredible and I now have the stance. I know we haven't discussed this ahead of time. I wish Last of Us 2 was 99% from Abby's perspective. I mean, I think a lot of people have said that. I Yeah, and I think if you made that game and you didn't explain it, mm -hmm. where you're just like, Last of Us Part 2, we're following this character, Abby, now, on her yeah. journey, going here, that, and the other. And then you get to the point where, like, she finds Joel and you see Joel, and you have, like, an inner monologue moment of, that's him. And you're just like, what? And then, like, the game went from there. That game is so incredibly disjointed and immersion breaking because from the tutorial of Last of Us 2 for combat is a snowball fight with these kids. And like. It lost me a bit there. They did a lot of mentioning the fact that. You know, people have like uh, like for the fact that like Ellie is gay in that game. Right, which is fine. That's. Great. I'm glad to have representation for different lifestyles in games. That's awesome. There were 16 mentions of it in an hour. And it, it it doesn't help to normalize something if you're pointing it out all the time to me. And it, it, it broke it a bit because I felt like I was being preached at when I don't need to be because, yes, I accept this. This is fine. Like, and I understand that people are going to have a problem with it in that game. And those people can just go fuck themselves. You know, and it's just like there's a few things too. like there's a big theme of like weed in that game, too, that I didn't get the point of. Mm -hmm. Why? If, if we're in this apocalypse and we're worried about our precious resources, why are we so busy having grow ups? <laughs> <laughs> resources are scarce. Why are we growing all this weed? Don't we? Should we have like worry about repopulation, cattle, livestock? Like, and it broke some the immersion for me. And it broke the immersion flipping between characters all the time. Where I'm rooting for Abby in that game because Joel's a piece of shit in that game. Joel's a bad person. 100%. He does nothing redeemable in the first game. And Ellie just, like, has a stick up her ass in Last of Us Part 2. And when Joel died, 
I was just like, I was just like, fine. This is what happens in life. You have consequences, you know? And it's just, it's difficult to me because like that game broke the immersion for me where if I was just playing as Abby and you gave me this, this really strong female character who isn't like 21 inches in diameter, who's actually like God heft to her like you would if you were that strong, like really got me into the game because I wasn't used to that. I just, I've never seen that in a game before. I've never seen a strong character like that who just like is like this house of muscle just fighting off these clickers and everything. And it made the game really cool. And because her combat is so violently intense, but like not without like a piece of care to what she's doing. Like in Last of Us 2, if you, a clicker attacks you, Abby will grab it, throw it to the ground and literally curb stop its head open. And it's raw, it's visceral, it shocked me, and I was just like, oh, hell yeah, this lady does not give a shit. And, like, that's immersion to me, too, though, but in a different way. With, like, Last of Us, if you get into the minutiae, like you were saying, of that game, when we talked about it before, that, like, the mechanics of the clickers pull out the immersion. If we just played as Abby, we could have avoided a lot of the clicker stuff and made her just against humans which makes sense for her storyline and what she's trying to achieve. And I think you could have pulled people back in a bit more. Yeah. And that, that's something that really stuck struck stuck with me from last of us. One is I think the game, I, I think the story of the game is fine. I don't think the story is great. I think it's fine. I think it's kind of your, I want to say stereotypical zombie storyline in a lot of ways. It's pretty cookie cutter for the most Pe part. People being immune to a disease and they're the chosen one who the cure is going to get made out of their blood is not original. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's not an original story. It's fairly like cookie cutter. Also, like everything is very telegraphed. There is not a there is literally not one plot point in Last of Us One you shouldn't be able to predict like half an hour before it happens. But I don't think the story is the reason that game wasn't immersive. They just messed up everything with the gameplay from an immersion perspective. From like, as soon as you, there, there's like invisible checkpoints in the game where suddenly the zombies behind you don't exist. So you can like sneak past a group of clickers and then once you're through the door, those clickers just don't exist in the game's perspective because you can yell, you can shoot your gun, you can make whatever noise you want and they don't acknowledge you. The dialogue is awful. There's literal situations in that game where you're walking through a city full of zombies and clickers and Ellie's trying to teach herself how to whistle. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and then the, 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 the other one that stuck with me that I think is, like, more minor, but the inventory and the crafting in that game is just bad because you have these materials that you get over the course of the game that are used to craft like bombs and shivs and bandages and stuff like that. But because of your super slow inventory caps, I found myself crafting things I didn't need because I couldn't pick stuff up. That's and yikes. When I put that in contrast with another game, that's very similar in the way in which it's inventory and like it's gear works uh, in Plague Tale. Plague Tale did it way better because all of your gear upgrades used the same materials your consumables did. So everything became a trade-off and makes these decisions in a world where you're supposed to be super light on resources in this apocalypse made your decisions around what to do with these resources interesting. Whereas in Last of Us, they aren't because there's like one to two things you can craft with each material. And if you're good at stealthing, you wind up with your materials capped anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that game just... There's a lot to desire from the crafting system from those games from Last of Us. And even the second one... I wasn't a big fan of how they done it. It just feels like unnecessary mechanics for that game, a lot of it. Something that you might be interested into, which I think you might appreciate some stuff, is Death Stranding. I 
think I'm going to rebuy it on PC because I think it's just going to run like a, a little bit smoother for me. And I want to be able to get like right up and close with it with the surround sound. That game's crafting system works in such a way that you have to literally carry everything. There's no invisible inventory. So like if you're carrying a ladder or like grenades, they're literally attached to the suit mm -hmm. that you're walking around with, which is really sweet. Yeah. The materials you have to use do go for everything. Like if you want to make something out of steel, then you have to use steel, but there's like 10 or 12 things that use steel. So you have to actually make decisions. And I've never had enough materials playing that game. I think I'm about 35 hours in and I'm going to restart my save file on like PC because I like that game that much. And by the way that you traverse in that game, when you're playing as Sam, you have to like hold buttons down to keep yourself stable because you're because you're a courier. You're delivering packages by foot. So you, when you're walking over rocky terrain, you actually have to hold yourself still. And if you start falling down the hill, you have to like get your balance back. That is a game that you cannot do anything else while you're playing it because of how immersive it is. And the fact that when the think of a way to refer to this, so I don't give people spoilers, especially you, because I'm going to make you play this game now. The enemies in that game require your utmost attention to not get killed by. That game, the sound you make the breath from your lungs can cause things to notice you're there and attack you. There are points in that game where you have to hold your breath and slowly walk by something to not get murdered. And that is immersion to me. The fact that when you're playing that game and you go to build a bridge, it appears in someone else's game. Or if, say you're walking by a cliff and you connect things to this network of people trying to rebuild America and you connect to the network and all of a sudden there's a bridge behind you that wasn't there before because now you're connected to the multiplayer world more now. So now that you're part of the network, other people's creations are now in your world. So there's just like a bridge over this canyon and you're like, you can go up to them and send them likes or send them materials, get thank you. And as you interact with more people's stuff you get connected to people playing the game somewhere else like i have a really good connection to a guy in japan who's playing death stranding and like we've helped each other i've built him a bridge and he's like left me like a motorcycle somewhere and i've never talked to this person it's just that's how the game works that's really cool i did not know that was a mechanic yes so now that I've sold you on this game, but <laughs> that's you, the thing you, though. You act as if you act as if selling me was going to be hard. I've committed to playing this game. I just haven't got around to it. Well, we're gonna have to get around to this. I will play this entire game with you okay. from the beginning again. But no, that this the game has this great immersion thing to it, where even fast travel has consequences. And like, Death Stranding is a special game. It is not for the faint of heart. The game is not easy because walking is a challenge. So you've got to be in for it. But if you're in for that, that game will draw you in, especially people that like crafting games, because a lot of the game is about building an infrastructure, too. But it does a good job of never making you feel like God mode, like you've mentioned before, because you have to get to an area before you can start building away there properly. Like, it makes you travel there first before you can just start making your life easier. No, the game, the game's incredible. I mean, like, forcing you to travel and experience the world is something that I wish games did more. Like, even Skyrim, going back to that one, the fact that you can buy a, like, coach ride to the next town, I hate. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I hate it. It's just um, not fun. Something that, like, WoW, like, WoW Classic... You have to physically walk to every single flight point before you can fly there. So you have to explore the entire world on foot first. And that's really cool. Uh, the last set of games I'd like to talk about, because I think these kind of fall into an area that I don't think we've talked about very much, where they're games that I think have really good immersion, 
but don't have any, um, like, thriller mechanics or, like, anything like any, like, they aren't based around, like, horror or jump scares or, like, a dark world or anything like that, are the four super giant games. And I know I've probably fangirled about these games a little bit too much at this point, <laughs> but the four <laughs> games of Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. Pyre is kind of like the black sheep of these four games, in my opinion. I really like it. I don't really expect everyone to like it. I think it has its issues. But each of these games builds a super compelling world where some of the storyline is in the forefront, some of the storyline is in the background, you kind of have to look for individual things. And I don't know, I don't know the entire team, but their audio team is the best team on any video game I've ever played. The music of all four of these games is incredible. The audio design of all four of these games is incredible. And it makes all of the games completely immersive because the soundtrack and all of your sound effects and everything like that is so good. I've gone back and played Bastion a bit more now. I do agree that the style of that game is really on point. Oh, yeah. And it does get you into it between the narration, the sound effects and everything. It really does get you into it. I just don't know if it's my kind of game I'm in the mood to play lately. That's totally fair. And I just, I do think that these games, if we're in this topic about immersion, really stand out with the way that the narration is done, where not only you have the game narrated, but also all, like, the games are narrated in a very flavorful, like, on-theme way. Like, mm -hmm. the narrator in Bastion is very on-theme to the world it's set in. Yeah. The narrator in Transistor is very on-theme to the world it's set in. And just all of these things come together into this masterpiece that I find super immersive. And it's just, I, I do think they stand out because when you look at, when I look at the gameplay of those games, they look like games that I'd normally enjoy, but would not be immersed in that. I'd want to watch something in the background while I play. And those games aren't that, which just makes me feel like they stand out because they do something. They do this immersion in a genre where I don't normally see it. Yeah. I've got I have got one more game that I want to do a shout out to that I have not finished yet. I've been playing Hellblade. Send you a sacrifice. And the reason is, is that when I get stressed out, like really badly, which to be honest, like lately, it's been like rough. I'll get a little personal, you know, like I haven't been great mentally for a while and it's gotten pretty bad lately. And when I get really really stressed out, I kind of have a problem with this, like literally having auditory things that I can hear that aren't like there, like voices and stuff. And it does happen. And it's something I've had for a long time. And I refuse to, uh, you know, stifle myself to have that not happen through medication. So this is kind of a big thing. Hellblade. Which I recommend if you're going to play this game, go get headphones, preferably surround sound to play it. The amount that I got immersed into playing Hellblade, and the only reason I haven't finished it is just because uh, this is prior to me fixing my computer problem. Hellblade has this unique way of immersing you into it by, like, talking to you. How the game works is basically from what I can gather so far, because I've made a point to not look up stuff, is that Senua is basically trying to, like, bring somebody back to life by going to Helheim in the game and revive this person your self-doubt and the narrator are constantly in your head so as you're walking along and say you're walking across like um a piece of wood over a cliff to try to get to the other side like a makeshift bridge the game you'll hear these whispers in the back that say don't fall oh no she's gonna fall she's gonna fall and just like the game like talks to you in such a way that it's like her self-doubt and all this stuff is in her head and like if you're in if you're in combat with something, they'll be like, dodge, dodge. And then like if you get hit, they'll be like, oh, no, she's bleeding. She's not going to make it. There's no way she has a chance. And then another voice in your head will be like, no, get up. It's almost over. We can if we can end this. We can finish this. And you have these polarizing voices in your head talking to you 
while you're trying to concentrate. And it's it's incredible. The game draws you in because all this auditory clues can help you and hurt you. So you need to be able to hear all of it. And it comes from different sections in your head. And the narrator is telling this story like it's a tragedy the entire time. Like everything she's saying, it sounds like there's just no hope. And there's these weird moments where you're not sure if like what you're what your, your character is experiencing is real or not. Like one of the first bosses of that game shocked me when I, when they showed what was going on to the entire first section of the game where I'm just like, am I being fucking like eaten alive? Like what? And I was just like, what the hell? And there's this one of the earlier sections of the game too. There's like a whole village where you're doing these puzzles. And when you solve the puzzles, you're like reliving the burning of this village in your head and you're trying to run through it as fast as you can before you get killed. And it's just, you hear these screams of like these children and women and men dying while you're trying to run through. And it's just, it's shocking. I would say if you, if you have a problem with like getting lost in your own head about stuff, I would recommend that game. It, it legitimately helped me a little bit to kind of like, get some of that out. And there's a, there's a warning at the beginning of that game that I would heed that that game is about psychosis, about hearing voices and about mental health. And it means it. The game, the game's incredible so far. I'm not quite done yet. I think I have a section and a half left of that game. It's only like supposed to be around 10 hours or less. So it's a quick one to do. But yeah, I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of games, I think, could do more to immerse people like that. But I understand that there's a lot of people that don't want that. And people just want to go watch Fast and the Furious and see what Dom is up to, you know? And it's just like a thing. You know, and there's plenty of times like that. Like, I'm almost done getting all the moons in Odyssey. That's been fun. I'm not immersed in that freaking world. <laughs> Although I think the environments are great in that game. And it just, it shows me what it's about. Like, there's a, there's a or different... There's a mood to that more, game. More environment diversity than Skyrim, though. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, oh, much more. <laughs> like, literally, like, the first two worlds it just crushes <laughs> that game. Look, there's a waterfall and there's a hat. That's more diversity than Skyrim. <laughs> but yeah, so. Is there anything you want to mention about anything before we head on out of here and go waste more of our precious time playing destiny because that game's fucking incredible is it really wasted i don't think really i'm having a good time i'm having a good ass time no i think that's it well you can find us on you know the old twitter you can leave us comments one star two star three star four star Hold off on the five-star review. I don't think we've gotten there yet. <laughs> if you want to lie to us and make us feel better, you can drop a five in there. That works for me. And I think we'll just uh, be back next week with some more, more stuff to chat about. I'm not sure what yet, though. We'll think of something good. Hey, okay, well, for, for me, I'm Josh. You guys all have a good time. For those of you in the States, have a good Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. For those of us in Canada, we already had it. But it's just, it's not as fun as U.S. Thanksgiving. I know which one's better. I've had both. All right, <laughs> run it back. U.S. Thanksgiving. Let's go. <laughs> Hell yeah. U.S. Thanksgiving, boy. Turkey and gravy. <laughs> well, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>